Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Market Impact Insights. You think about innovation in any company, it's usually at the intersection of people, process, and technology. And we're going to jump in and take a look at the second P, which is the process side of it. We've got the co-author of a really amazing new book, and that is Filippo Passerini. And the new book, Revolutionizing Business Operations, How to Build Dynamic Processes for Enduring Competitive Advantage. So we're going to learn a little bit more about maybe a different mindset, different approach to revolutionizing your business operations that can really drive sustainable growth. Now, Filippo has got decades of experience. He's a world-class IT strategist. He did that at a company you've probably heard of, Procter & Gamble. And he has done that in both developed and developing markets. For over 10 years, Filippo served as group president of Global Business Services. He was the chief information officer leading these incredible global P&G initiatives and overseeing 170 distinct services in, get this, 70 countries. He's lived and worked around the world in Italy. Turkey, the UK, Latin America, Greece, and of course here in the US. He's globally recognized as an information technology and shared services thought leader. And his strategies, principles, and ideas have been the subject of numerous books, articles, and of course, Harvard Business Reviews. Filippo, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure to be here with you and all. So, you know, you've, you've had this amazing career and impact, but I really want to go back and in your reflection, what originally sparked your passion, your interest in this whole area of operational excellence? This has been uh, probably done uh, the best part of my professional life. I uh, truly found um, the value we can create uh, in a business through process operations and uh, the latitude we have uh, to truly, truly transform the business. Quite uh, uh, remarkable. So companies, you know, they focus on um, their products, uh, services they deliver to customers, clients, uh, consumers. And um, uh, we found that in a first-hand personal experience that um, there is a lot of uh, competitive advantage we can gain by professionalizing business process um, operations. So we did that, um, and uh, the idea of the book was to, in a way, uh, share back uh, this experience um, on how that could truly, truly become an ongoing competitive uh, advantage. 
yeah, you, you keep bringing up competitive advantage and I think you've got everyone's attention there and it makes sense to like how we do things, you know, from a process standpoint, uh, obviously the quality of the people we bring in, if we have technology innovation, that's, yes. that'll get us to competitive advantage. But then there's just how, how do we work? How do we do things now? I think most companies have it as a goal to improve their business process, but it's not so easy, is it? There's a lot of challenges. What what makes it more difficult to do that than maybe even 15 or 20 years ago? Well, what is more difficult than this uh, velocity in the business? Um, it is the desire and the need uh, to deliver results uh, faster and faster. And um, complexity, the sheer complexity in the world in which we operate. So these are some of the uh, key drivers why uh, today maybe, as you say, a bit more you know, challenging than 20, 30 years ago. Uh, that being said, uh, never be done uh, an additional reason why we should do that, because um, the, the, the uh, speed in the marketplace, acceleration in innovation may uh, lead us to... Um, uh, shout out, uh, you know, not to take into account uh, the importance of truly, truly operating efficiently and effectively and continue to innovate uh, in processes. So to, to your point, um, what is the value? What is the competitive advantage we could gain? Well, uh, you know, we increase dramatically the cycle time in the business. We accelerate uh, the cycle time. We uh, make uh, the organization much more effective, much more, much more productive, and um, you know we you eliminate all the unnecessary touch points, uh, all the seams uh, between uh, processes. So, so there is a lot of very, very concrete value uh, right there. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're talking about the, just the velocity in the marketplace, just access to data, more data, more real time, but just the speed of decision making, being flexible, adaptable, all that becomes really important. But as companies are trying to, to move faster, right, to keep up with yes. that velocity, are there some mistakes you see companies making? So and they say, hey, we're going to go out and improve our operational efficiency? Are there some some things you're, you're seeing that they don't always get right? Well, the, 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 you know, the challenge fundamentally is that uh, these interventions are seen as, you know, one time, one off. And uh, we come across, uh, I've been in business now and then for 41 years. I've seen not only in the Procter & Gamble, but after I left, Procter & Gamble, and I'm uh, an advisor to, to several, several Fortune 500 companies and, you know, many smaller ones uh, worldwide. I've seen that there is um, awareness of how important uh, this is. So no question about that. Uh, the challenge done is when um, uh, you have to make it uh, systemic rather than one intervention every uh, few years. So, so, so the companies tend to uh, lead uh, transformation in their processes, simplify, optimize, standardize, and then uh, is one half. Then a few years later, they're back to the same uh, 
same challenges. So what we offer in the book um, is a methodology, is a model to uh, make it sustainable, systemic uh, over time. So does the idea of repeatable and scalable comes in, yes. right? In terms of just not a one-time thing. And, and so what's this blueprint? Yes. And then also we think there are fundamentally then three uh, key drivers. One is to run uh, processes, not as a, you know, so to say, the uh, necessary hell that, uh, you know, you need that. Uh, to run the business, but rather uh, to the earlier point of uh, competitive value for a business, for a company, the idea is let's operate processes uh, as an open market. Uh, no business, unless you're a monopoly, can force products, services to their customers, to their consumers, to their clients. So we believe that if we apply that same uh, mindset, uh, the same um, approach to uh, business processes. Uh, you operate uh, as an open market uh, within a company. So is the business units, is the market. So truly, truly drive the value from uh, processes. Uh, that makes an enormous difference. So it's not, you know, mandate top down, it becomes really the pool of the value bottom up. So this is what we call an open market uh, framework, an open market mindset. Then the second is um, um, unified accountability. Part of the issues with the processes is that they get very fragmented. And um, so you have, uh, you know, many, many cooks, uh, so to say, and uh, there is no one who is in charge and to end of, um, of a given process. Um, if you take as a very, very mundane uh, example, accounts payables, you know, you pay supplier invoices, you know, fundamentally, which every single company, every single company does, then uh, it spans across, you know, three, four functions. And so you have a lot of seams, a lot of interfaces, a lot of hands-offs. And um, if you have this unified accountability, if you run a process like a product, like a brand, then you drive a value at a whole new level, completely different. So unified accountability is in the way you run the organization, but then uh, uh, will percolate down to the individual uh, processes. So this is not just establishing one leader, but it is about you know making sure that you have unified accountability uh, throughout. Uh, so this is the second driver. The third um, uh, uh, key driver is this dynamic uh, operating model. The operating model is the fundamental to bring uh, the business model to life. Uh, and every company has an operating model. Now we offer, we suggest uh, that the same concept of an operating model could be applicable, should be applicable, is applicable to the uh, business processes, operations. Yeah, yeah, that, that unified accountability. I wrote that down. That is that is spot on in, in terms of just in it's a mindset and it's a transparency for the people that are responsible for the business operations. And I'm curious over the course of your 40 plus years, Filippo, have you seen the 
the profile of the leaders that are responsible for process? I mean, has that gone up? Has their profile gone up because there's more of a recognition that that's a value center or value source? Yeah, this is actually a very, very insightful question, um, Dan, a very, very profound. I've seen that um, it is uh, more the uh, mindset uh, profile of a business uh, leader rather than um, a technology or functional leader. I was also chief information officer for for Procter and Gamble, so I've been in technology the better part of my life, and uh, and I have to say Dan, that um, uh, you know we with a technology background uh, tend to be very uh, dichotomic, you know, either cost or quality. If you accelerate, um, you risk. Uh, to spend more, you know, that is always an either or mindset. You have to choose one or the other. It, we believe that there is a lot of opportunity for an end mindset. Uh, you can indeed, uh, you know, increase the top line and the bottom line and the margins. So this is the business mindset. And uh, bringing this business mindset to process operations um, is really a dramatic uh, paradigm shift. So your question is very, very insightful. It is very, it is less in my experience, the, the, the uh, you know, cranking the processes day in, day out. Uh, try to do better every day, but fundamentally you don't run uh, processes as a business and rather shifting to this uh, skill set mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's this concept called business transformation, Felipe, we hear it all the time, right? It's just, it's referred to all the time. Yeah. It's weird. You know, business transformation is what it's all about. It's what we're trying to get to. Can you break that down? What does that really mean? Yeah, that's actually another Another great question, Darren. I am now in my uh, advisory, my consulting role. I say companies, senior leaders within companies having, you know, um, a health uh, fixation for transforming the business and also end to end process management. Now, if you ask people, as you know better than me, Dan, uh, because you are talking to people all the time, um, if you ask them, what do you mean? What is transformation? Uh, you got a lot of different answers. But, um, you know, to, to me, uh, transformation is a truly, truly uh, in the uh, process because a transformation can be in four, uh, in four domains, can be, can be organizational. Uh, the organization model, the organization design. Uh, could be cultural, the culture of the company. Uh, could be digital, and then, you know, fundamentally, uh, business processes. Um, the, the, so these are the four, the, you know, the four areas in uh, transformation. I um, believe that, you know, fundamentally, the low-hanging fruit, the opportunities, most of the opportunities, uh, in truly, truly making the companies, uh, the business uh, more efficient, more effective, more innovative in the way we operate uh, 
all the wiring uh, through the business process. So transforming, to your question, uh, is about um, making this process uh, significantly uh, more efficient, more effective, uh, increase uh, the speed uh, of the process. For example, the way you deliver uh, you know, customer orders, the way you close the box at the end of the month, uh, the way you pay your supplier invoice. It is a truly, truly pervasive, very, very pervasive. And uh, transformation is this quest to constantly make it better. And, uh, you know, day in, day out, and eliminating all the uh, glitches, all the touch points that are not needed, all the defects in the process, making sure that um, uh, everything uh, is in support to the higher goal of uh, the business. And there is a point where these processes can be on the stage, what we call, you know, stage four of evolution, because in the book, we suggest four uh, stages uh, in the journey. When you move uh, to the latest uh, stage, then naturally, truly becomes, uh, you know, uh, business building, uh, an opportunity to create a new uh, capabilities in the business. Yeah, so it really does come full circle. It ends up being back to really be driven by process. And in your new book, you say one of the keys is to be very proactive in avoiding um, having your business processes become obsolete. Yes. Can you share a little bit more about that? Well, this is, you know, what happens is that um, most business processes, and I'm sure, uh, they, 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 you know, there will be uh, all the listeners to this, um, uh, to this program, and then will be very, very familiar with that. The, the, the process uh, tend to become, you know, very stagnant um, over time. Uh, so that becomes um, obsolete because the business is moving fast and uh, uh, the desire to adjust or engineer, transform uh, some of the processes. Is not quite there, and um, and so this is where um, uh, that become uh, a barrier uh, to the business growth in many ways. And um, and I've come across companies then all the time where you know there is an incredible opportunity to create value by uh, transforming, as we said earlier, these processes or a that they become uh, uh, obsolete, that they become out of sync uh, with the business. This is what, you know, uh, obsolete really means, that they are not in sync with what the business needs. And, um, and this is where I think we can truly drive um, a lot of change. I've seen it done firsthand. Or what is possible. So what we're talking in the book is not in a conceptual uh, framework. So uh, it is, we have a codified our empirical uh, experience. So it is, it is a truly, truly modeling of what we saw works well or even uh, works best. Mm-hmm. Now, a little earlier, you mentioned culture and 
of course, culture is greatly impacted by senior leadership in any organization, right? And and I've talked to a lot of company founders, CEOs on this podcast that talk about one of the most challenging things they do is really to nurture and to sustain a healthy culture. How do you see the role of senior leaders in an organization in creating the right environment for positive change, including in this area of business yeah. process? Yes, I have. And um, uh, the culture, in my experience, uh, then, uh, is the result of the way, of the way people uh, behave. So this is what I express as the culture in a country, uh, in people, in, and in business, in companies. And the way people behave uh, is the result of a reward system. So I've seen uh, then dramatic changes in a company like uh, Procter & Gamble, which uh, at the time had 120,000 people. I've seen cultural changes of, uh, you know, in uh, 12, uh, 15 months. So we are not talking decades, we are talking months. And uh, the mechanism, the formula is uh, very, very uh, predictable. If we reward uh, people for a certain behavior, people want to do well, people are well-intentioned, they will respond and the behavior will uh, drive the culture. So I will start with um, what are the attributes of the culture we want and therefore what are the behaviors that we need to see uh, as a result of that and what is the reward system that will drive those uh, behaviors. This formula, I've seen it over and over, then works very, very well. So it is possible to change the culture and surprise, surprise can be done faster than probably most people, many of us may think. Yeah, that's fascinating. So incentive systems can really produce the behavioral change in a much faster time than than maybe we think, you know, and you're talking in months or maybe a little, a year, year and a half um, for major change, but all done with intention through the yes. incentives. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think you are using a key word, uh, Dan, which is intention and the intentionality. Uh, being uh, deliberate in what we do rather than uh, hey, we do the best we do and see what happens. Let's draw a parallel uh, with the business. No business will say, oh, you know, let's try as hard as we can. You know, hopefully something good will happen. Oh, and by the way, let's uh, track at the end of uh, the fiscal year if we deliver on our uh, results or not. Let's, you know, take a chance. No business will do that then. Business are intentional. They plan their uh, their revenues. They plan uh, the profit. Oftentimes, they provide, you know, guidance to investors. Uh, they target uh, margins, profit margins, market shares. They have a metrics in place, which are very, very 
are conducive to what they want to accomplish, to the goals. And, um, and then uh, um, this is the way we run business. Uh, to use your very, very good word, that you have to be intentional. And uh, in the same we submit, we offer is through for uh, business processes, for work processes, whereas the mindset and the model to run business processes is typically very, very different. Uh, you know, you try, you you know, you do the best, and you know, a lot of you know, uh, trial and error, rather than you know, planning in advance, running processes uh, as a brand, as a product, uh, as a business. Yeah, are there some companies that you see out there that are really doing it right? They're they're making the right kind of approach that are that are planning and executing with this intention and really leveraging the competitive advantages they can get from business process? Yes, I prefer, as you can imagine, I prefer not to name names here, but the answer to your question is absolutely yes. And actually, in the last uh, three or four months, I got a few calls from, um, you know, uh, three calls to be precise from um, leaders, you know, two CEOs and another leader of very, very large companies. We are talking now companies uh, with revenue of dozens of billions of dollars. And they are totally, totally wanting to. Uh, figure out, uh, get some help, uh, get ideas, uh, support on how to do just that. So this is becoming more uh, pervasive, but uh, as you know, Don, uh, like uh, for anything in life uh, and in business, um, you know, it, it requires uh, the know-how, the skills to do it and then uh, the plan to do it. Um, so oftentimes companies want to do well, but they don't have internal capabilities to do it. So we right. want to believe that this book I mean, you know, may help a bit because um, uh, it is a bit of a you know, roadmap on how to do that. What are the key indicators? What should you measure? What is important? So. Uh, we want to give uh, our readers um, a sense for if you do this a sequence of steps, and the sequence is important, then um, you should expect a pretty good outcome so fairly, fairly fast. Yeah, you bring up a good point, which is sometimes getting an outside perspective to the business can be just refreshing, but also be a catalyst for the change. Yeah. So seek help. Uh, and it sounds like a lot of leaders, they recognize, you know, we, we've got a lot of talent, we've got a lot of skill inside our organization, but maybe there's some gaps and it's okay to yeah. ask for help, seek help, and then, you know, work through the process. Yeah. This is, uh, by the way, if I can be uh, philosophical for the second, if you allow me to uh, what you describe is exactly the way we learn, uh, you know, a sport to play an instrument uh, or even, you know, drive the car. The way we learn is uh, someone has to, has to tell us what is the best way to do it. 
because if we have to uh, figure how to kick a ball or how to hit uh, the ball uh, with a rocket or how to play violin mm-hmm. by ourselves, um, it may take a long time. And candidly, uh, not necessarily you will um, you will learn the right way. Uh, and that's the reason why many, many people play sports for, you know, 30 years, 40 years, and they never improve because they never learned um, their foundational skills well. So uh, learning uh, is most efficient if someone uh, tells you, hey, you know, this is the best way to put your hands on a piano board. Believe you me, this is the way it works. And um, in, then from there, of course, you know, you need to practice, you need to, but having this external support uh, could be very, very helpful. And by the way, to be clear, I'm not uh, marketing uh, myself or, you know, our little company or anything or here or my co-author. Um, I'm not doing that uh, because at this point of my life, as you can imagine, this is not about uh, commercials, financials in any ways. But I do believe that getting this external support in the beginning for a short, um, a short period of uh, of time uh, can be very, very effective. Can be efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, Filippo, you've obviously led teams, you've given a lot of advice to others uh, over the course of your career. I want to turn that question around though and ask you, what's the best piece of business advice you have ever received? Um, Sorry that I'm second myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yes. That uh, you have received. Yeah. The best, um, uh, piece of advice um, I'm seeking uh, constantly it is what is uh, relevant for the business at this point in time. I am uh, fixated with uh, irrelevance that English is my third language and the best word I've come across in English is relevance. If we are not relevant, we become a commodity. So I am constantly uh, seeking for what makes um, the organization I run or the business or even you know myself um, individually uh, relevant uh, for the value for the business at that point in time. And relevant is different at different times uh, for different companies, but that's truly, truly the uh, North Star. Yeah, that's powerful uh, because I think uh, any leader, you know, if you look at, at the list of their biggest fears, I think being irrelevant would be right up there, you know, and the, the thing that they would least want to have happen, right? And you, you said irrelevance means being a commodity. Yeah. In a sea of sameness out there, you know, versus standing out and, and being recognized as truly exceptional. So uh, there's so much truth there in what you just said. Yeah, they, they actually, when, um, you know, one other element of uh, running as a business of an open market, one of the three drivers uh, in the book, Adonis, there's... Um, uh, notion of you know getting feedback 
from your customers, from your uh, consumers. Um, it is fascinating if you look at the airlines, hotels, you know, companies, the way they gather feedback. Um, many of them um, got uh, a lot better over the last few years. They used to send these emails with, you know, 30 questions. Of course, right. you know, no one answers. No one answers those questions. Now, I again will not name names, um, but there is one major service um, provider who, at the end of a call with um, an agent, um, uh, they will. Um, they used to ask you twenty questions on the phone. Uh, you need to visit one, two, three, four, five, and then, of course, you know. When you are halfway through, you hang up. Um, now they ask you, uh, would you be willing to give a five-second uh, feedback on the call you just had with our uh, call center? And, you know, then you say five seconds, you know, sure, you know, I will do it, right? That's right. That's really and smart. So they say, we ask you one question. In a scale one to five, would you hire the person you uh, uh, you just uh, you just spoke with in your service center. It is so profound and because yes. that question would you hire this person? You encapsulate, you aggregate all this issue in a knowledgeable, uh, easy, uh, responsive. Has it been nice? You know, all these 20 questions you would typically ask, they get summarized into this one question. Would you hire this person? I think yeah, that's, yeah. Profound. that's profound. Uh, Dan. No, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, no, that's a great example of, um, of just breaking through. Um, people are so time short. So one, make it predictable. Make that experience predictable for them. Put a time make it yeah. time bound and then just boil it down to really the ultimate litmus test of someone's perception of someone else's. Would you, you know, risk your reputation, you know, or your business success by hiring. So really innovative way of approaching that. Now, Filippo, in my book, the impact makers, I devote a whole chapter on the importance uh, for exceptional leadership of having an optimistic mindset and I'm curious, when you think about the future, what makes you optimistic? I am, um, I am positive. I don't know that I am uh, always optimistic. And there is a difference between being positive and optimistic. So I believe that if we uh, face an issue, we can turn into uh, an opportunity. I believe that we are, for the most part, in control of our own uh, uh, of our own destiny. I believe that um, uh, taking uh, accountability is very, very important. Uh, so this is what makes me very, very positive. Now, am I optimistic that everything will go well? Well, I'm not sure. Okay. So if you are on vacation with your family, the difference between the two, optimistic and you know, being positive is, even if it uh, uh, rains, uh, I'm sure we will find a way to enjoy what we're doing mm -hmm. as a family. 
uh, optimistic says, oh, the weather will be wonderful. <laughs> so yes. so different, right? <laughs> yeah, something we can all relate to, uh, the rainy uh, vacation time. We've all, we've all been that, uh, yeah, yeah, that experience. Yeah. yeah. So as, as we wrap up the conversation, Filippo, do you have any other final advice for leaders um, that are looking to really leverage their business process to really build, sustain, protect their brand, grow their business? Yes, my uh, one of ours is um, this is work that has been done. So we are not totally, totally inventing um, anything that is, you know, uncharted for it. And my advice is uh, give it a try and give it a try intentionally because there is all to gain and nothing to lose. In my experience, not only with myself, with you know, Procter and Gamble, but also with you know several several other companies, is that our leaders mega surprised by the value that can be generated. So I I totally believe that um, it is worth um, being intentional, trying uh, in a very very focused, deliberate way and uh, apply uh, proven models because then really maximizes uh, probability of success. Um, I am optimistic in this case then and positive that things will work out well, but uh, should they not for some reasons, at least we as leaders feel we have tried, right? Uh, we are not back and forth. So I, I, I would definitely, you know, give this a uh, suggestion. I would offer this a suggestion. Then. Thank you for that inspiration. The book, once again, Revolutionizing Business Operations, How to Build Dynamic Processes for Enduring Competitive Advantage. Filippo, uh, your decades of experience. Thanks for sharing and giving all of us that motivation to uh, not overlook business process as a key source of competitive advantage and in driving company success. Thanks again for joining. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Don. I appreciate it. And a reminder to everyone, please continue to give your feedback to help make this podcast better. Rate and review. You can do that very easily out on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.